This is Chelsea. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, the podcast on which we rewatch very special episodes of television from the past or this season, really, whatever we feel like rewatching, and see what, if anything, we can learn from it in this time of dystopia come to life. Whatever we felt like watching today was <laughs> Saved by the Bell. The episode is called No Hope with Dope. Uh, season three, episode 21 or four. I don't know. I'm not doing the Saved by the Bell metric anymore, people. You figure it out. If you watch it season on Hulu, three. it's season four. So if you want to go watch it on Hulu, it's season four. Season three slash four, episode 21. <laughs> First premiered November 30th, uh, 1991, and the writer was Scott Spencer Gordon. Before we move on to everyone's favorite top of show segment, uh, I have some sad news to tell you, Andy. Okay, I'm listening um, and prepared. I have a cat on my lap, so I feel like this is only going to help. Yes, it will. Uh, um, it was announced. Wait, is it about the cat? No. Go ahead. It was announced today, the day we're recording this, that Thomas L. Miller, legendary television producer behind such sitcoms as Happy Days, Family Matters, Full House, Mork and Mindy, Laverne and Shirley, Perfect Strangers, Step by Step, has died. This is Thomas oh Miller, gosh. Miller of Miller Boyette Productions. Miller Boyette. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. I had not heard that. He died of complications from heart disease. So not from this mm-hmm. pandemic, at least not that they're saying. At his home in Connecticut, he was 79 years old, had a career that spanned seven decades, and he produced first um, under his own banner and then as half of Miller Boyette, some of the most beloved sitcoms and highest rated shows of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, which is the shows that we talk oh, about. Um, we're not talking about... Yeah, that's about, a, lot of, a lot of my growing up. Yeah. yeah. Um, shows we've talked about like Full House, Perfect Strangers, Family Matters, Step by Step. Those are, you know, our bread and butter. Yeah. And this is the guy that was one half of the producing team. Um, so I thought we should just take a moment to acknowledge the contributions of Thomas L. Miller to the world of sitcom television um, yeah. and send him on his way. This one's for God you, bless. Thomas L. Miller. God bless. Rest, rest in production. Oh, no. R.I.P. I mean, if your if your job title matches up with a P sound, then fucking by sure. all means, yeah. Rest in um, peace, rest in power, rest in production. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Rest in PGA. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> by the way, jokes aside, that's a bummer. Uh, yeah. You definitely, I definitely remember seeing the Miller Boyette logo all throughout my childhood. Yeah, that's a bummer. What a yeah. Sad thing. But, I mean, he was 79, and he had a great career, and by the accounts that I've read today, a very satisfying personal life as well. So, um, would that we all could be so uh, successful at the thing we have chosen to do. And it seemed that he really was way more interested in making people happy and producing things that delighted people than he was in winning awards or, you know, critical accolades or anything like that, which is definitely a tact you can take when you are making content. And he seemingly in the 70s and 80s and 90s was the best guy doing it. Yeah. Well, would um, would a special segment of You Wrote What cheer you up? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this is You Wrote What. Special edition. So this is You Wrote What Special Edition that I'm calling You Wrote... Wait, what? 
<laughs> it's where we look at something a something troubling that our writer has written. <laughs> Today we're talking about Scott Spencer Gordon. You wrote, wait, what? <laughs> um, Scott Spencer Gordon wrote two episodes on a show called Just Our Luck. Okay. Yep. I'm singing no bells rung in your in your screen here. No. Fantastic. Here's the summary for Just Our Luck. A modern city guy gains a genie. No, it's not a scary woman, a belly buttonless woman. This time it's a hip, wise cracking black guy named Shabu. Hold on. That is that's legitimately the tip of the shitty Who iceberg. Who played Shabu? Though. Who played Shabu? TK Carter, cool teacher Mike. From Punky Brewster played Shabu. Yeah, now you now you see it. Yes. What? Okay. So I did a bit of a dive into <laughs> just our luck, which sad to say, I don't think there are very many special episodes from, <laughs> except we should just learn something from the concept and move along. So it premiered in 1983. Uh, it was it was a part of some good intentions by ABC, <laughs> who wanted this show and Webster. To be the start of regular, uh, a regular uh, spate of uh, uh, sitcoms that had black stars. Great. Um, and then it ran for one season. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 episodes were made. Ooh. Uh, yeah, hold on. That's a short season and, for that 1983. Well, then I'll go ahead and, and cut to the chase now. Only 11 episodes aired. Ooh. Uh, the episode tried to bolster the later uh, run, uh, Mired in Scandal. Uh, by throwing guest stars at it, including Henry Winkler, Dr. Joyce Brothers, and Roy Orbison. What? You wrote what? (laughs) You wrote, wait, what? (laughs) Uh, Hold on, my cat is is sashaying away. Here's the controversy. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, Mired in Scandal. Immediately, a show about a black genie subservient to Uh a uh, white white advertising exec. Yep, just fulfilling all of his commands. The use of the word master. Oh shit! Throughout the episodes, uh, got the got the attention of the NAACP. You think? Which called for a yeah, which called for a boycott. This uh, is the point Mother at Jones... which I want to be like, there were a lot of people in a room yeah. at some point. Yeah. At a table read. No one raised, no one threw a flag on that play. Like not a no. single person, especially if the point was. To have African-American stars on TV and to do some sort of course correction or some sort of equalizing. There wasn't a single person who was like, maybe he could call him anything other than master. Like, boss? Even boss? I I don't know. Hey, guys, this seems familiar somehow. Something like that. So, yeah, it, it Mother Jones Magazine called it a 1980s version of Amos and Andy. Uh, and it would have probably been canceled right away, except T.K. Carter... Champion the series saying it wasn't racist. Well, he was he like, wants to be a TV star. I don't say that um, uh, maliciously. Like, good for him. He got the gig of yeah. a lifetime. He ha- he's a great actor. Not... He's great on Punky Brewster. Every time he's on screen, we are delighted. And suddenly, he's cool. he's a somebody teacher. was like, "We're going to build a series around you." And he was like, "Great, this will be fun." And then immediately, everyone's like, "It's a racist series." Of course, he's going to be like, "No, guys, it's not. It's my series. It's my turn." Exactly. And. Allowing the NAACP to come on board and rewrite episodes, hmm. 
they became like a controlling interest in it. It just fell apart. Uh, only 11 episodes ever aired. I can only find one online. I, say, I saw about, him? I found, I, I, I did about five minutes of it and I was like, that's enough for me. Oh, Not God. because it was super racist. It is, but mostly because it was just intolerably the eighties humor. It's just not Oof. good. Wow. Yeah. So that was you wrote what special edition? Did it? But you wrote you wait. What? 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 Thank you for that. That's insane. Also, no the problem. First, the first of two Punky Brewster references that we will make in this episode of our podcast. Yep. Um, what you got for a snack over there today? It's Diet Coke. Diet Coke. <laughs> How is it? Diet Coke in a fl- fancy glass. It's been the one thing that I'm like splurging on right now. I don't right. really want. I I stopped eating sugar. Uh, I got uh, some some crackers and chips, but otherwise I'm not doing like comfort food. Mm-hmm. I'm fine without it. Uh, so the only like comfort food thing I've got is soda. Well, good. I have a drink today, and too. it's fucking fantastic. How about That's awesome. that? It's amazing. It's all I've ever not wanted and needed. <laughs> I feel like you're compromising the integrity of our snack reviews right now. Because what do you want me to do? I can't. <laughs> I can't eat sugar, and there's a pandemic. <laughs> Only half, only literally 50% of that is my fault. <laughs> I uh, also have a drink today, and this is in keeping mm-hmm. with the, that's what they had. Um, yeah. I love LaCroix. I drink a lot of LaCroix. And this is a flavor I hadn't had before the pandemic, and it was all that was left when I went to oh, no. uh, the grocery store. I think it's new, though, in addition. But people hadn't tried it because it's new. But it's hibiscus-flavored oh. LaCroix. And I like hibiscus tea. I like hibiscus flavored stuff. And so I got it. And it tastes even more faintly like the flavor than most uh, LaCroix flavors, which is to say it's just cold water that's vaguely flower essenced. And I like it. Somebody whispered the word flower into it as they at the truck as it drove away. Yeah. Yeah. Flowers. Anyway, let's talk about a goddamn episode of television. Yes, let's talk about Saved by the Bell. Back to the the Bell Well um, for yet another episode of television. This is a very famous, um, very special episode of television. It's not quite on the level of Jesse's song in that it's like, that's the one that everybody thinks about of Saved by the Bell in terms of anti-drug PSAs. But this is a close second. A lot of people remember this episode, too. Yeah, it's the most PSA-y like episode saved by the 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 Jesse song episode was definitely the most melodramatic drug related mm-hmm. episode this one was definitely like we're going to teach kids a thing or two about a thing or two and it came after Jesse's song so we had already yes. had the uh, speed pill scare of um whatever 19 absolutely whatever and then this is the next season i think uh no hope with dope so this is the episode in which a famous movie star comes to Bayside to film an anti-drug PSA. This is that episode. and can't, I can't roll my eyes enough at any of the things <laughs> that you just said. Famous movie star. This is Johnny Dakota played by some dancer. Oh, like, oh you, you don't know who up? plays Johnny Dakota? Oh, this Eric, is great. Eric, oh, so th- okay. Please, whatever and and take whatever time you'd like to get to it. That's totally fine. So this is what uh, this episode is a big part of Saved by the Bell lore, as recorded and put forth for the masses in Behind the Bell, uh, Dustin Diamond's burn book that he published. Um, Fucking so, <laughs> 
So take <laughs> most of what book. I'm... <laughs> that 40-year-old burn book? Sure. Yep. Well... Okay, that, what, that makes what it is, sound even less sad somehow. What is... <laughs> what is true, what is mm-hmm. not... Um, what is not up for debate is that this actor, Eddie Garcia, that plays Johnny Dakota, was Tiffany Amber Thiessen's real life boyfriend at the time. What? I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Uh, you no can't idea. tell because they have no chemistry at all. No. Um, well, they have... he is a plank of wood, this guy. He's <laughs> right. not doing um, very well. It's always a weird thing when actual famous actors have to pretend that some extra is a more famous is like a famous actor in the reality in which they live, in which they are not actors or famous. Well, it's a real weird. We did weird... this with, with friends, didn't we? Did we did watch we do an friends? episode of friends? Yeah. Where, where, uh, Brad Pitt's the special guest. Oh God. Yes. Of course. Of course. Yes. Remember but when they're we not were pretending he's that an actor. Was like, we thought that was going out of like, Oh, we're going out of our comfort zone. Yeah. Just hold on everyone. <laughs> um, no, yes. they did not pretend he was just some guy. Um, yeah, this dude, I looked up his IMDb, if case you're like wondering if you can see Johnny Dakota anywhere else. You can't. He's dancing it's, in the background of everything. It's scant. It's a scant IMDb. But at the time, Truly. he was dating Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Um, I don't I mean, know if that was if they had been dating for a while since before she got in Saved by the Bell or if they had just recently begun dating. Who knows? Um, I couldn't mm. get any information on that. But... He is. He plays Johnny Dakota. That's her real life boyfriend, according to Behind the Bell. And take the rest <laughs> of this with a Dustin Diamond sized grain of salt. But <laughs> yeah. according to Behind the Bell, Tiffany was cheating on him with both Mario Lopez and Mark Paul Gosler okay. at, at the time. And when this guy came to set to film this episode, he caught her pitched a fit and the two of them broke up after they wrapped shooting that week. But according to his book, the whole cast was regularly hooking up with each other except for him. Um, yeah, cause yeah, he was yeah. always left out, not because he was like the moral authority, but because he was younger and constantly left no. out of what they were doing. It isn't that the, the way it kind of always goes. Like when I was in high school, I was like, I bet everybody here is having sex. Yes. Except so, for me. And it was right, like, so yeah, that was people, his high school experience. Exactly. Yeah, so he thought they were all hooking up with each other and partying and doing drugs without him, which makes this sure. whole, if you believe that, makes this whole, gives this episode like another layer of weirdness. Um, That's what it needs. <laughs> so I don't I don't know if this sex quadrilateral between Tiffany Amber Thiessen, Eddie Garcia, Mark Pogosler, and A.C. Slater, if that actually happened, who, who knows? But what we Can do we... know is that this was her real-life boyfriend the week they filmed this episode. I'm going to call it a sex rhombus or love rhombus. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I think it's just a four-sided shape that's sort of askew. Uh, anyway, so that is the all the setup for the ordinary world. Um, of course, mm-hmm. Saved by the Bell uh, aired for four seasons between 1989 and 1992. But then, of course, we had the college years, the new class, the wedding in Vegas, and we're about to get a reboot on Peacock. So truly, it is a show that just keeps on giving. Um, the ordinary world is light high school problems and hijinks. There's a lot of worrying about tests and dances and dates. And if you want to be kissing someone that doesn't want to be kissing you and vice versa, usually if they get caught by teachers for doing something, it's like mildly bad high school stuff. Yeah, I did almost there was it was close until I found uh, just our luck. Um, 
I almost did for You Wrote What, another episode that this guy writes for Saved by the Bell, The Next Class. Mm -hmm. He wrote a two-part episode called Fire at the Max. Oh, no. Where the fucking Max burns down, apparently. (laughs) Oh, God. And two parts, too, so I guess... I'm sure they rebuild it, though. They have a bake sale or they auction off some cheerleaders or something, right? Sure. Yeah, or they just move it outside of the truck stand and call it the minimum. <laughs> okay, so let's get into this. Uh, weird, weird Bayside High, Zach Morris lets us know right off the bat that it's the time of the mid-semester blues, not a vacation in sight. This has nothing to do with anything that will happen in this episode. Wait, what the hell he with this? he just lets us know. He's like, bah, here's a thing. Boy, I'm school, am I right? And everybody's like, ha, 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 ha. And it's like, let's get the episode started. It's like right, he's warming right. up the he's warming up the audience himself. <laughs> yes, he's the warm up. It's really up. weird. So Lisa runs up and gets the episode started by screaming a bunch. <laughs> uh, she tries. She's trying to tell some exciting news. There's a limousine out front. The star Johnny. This she finally spits it out. Johnny Dakota is here. Who's Johnny Dakota? Yes. Just some guy. What's a, what's an equivalent of Johnny Dakota in either the 90s or this day and age? Like a Robert Pattinson kind yeah, of a thing? Yeah, or like a Jonathan Taylor Thomas or yeah. at the time. Yeah, so Lisa is fulfilling the archetype of the Herald here. Um, <laughs> she rushes in uh, and she's just spitting out a bunch of disconnected words, but eventually they get out from her. She's, she like is apoplectic. She can't speak. Johnny Dakota is her favorite movie star, her favorite Hollywood True. hunk, she says. Yep. And then Zach tells her, stop, stop freaking out or you're going to crack your makeup, which the audience, this is the biggest laugh crazy. of the episode. The audience laughs Don't crack so your makeup. Did you hear hard. that? It Holy is. Holy shit. Even for Saved by the Bell, it is an outsized reaction. Did you hear Zach drop that comedy science on Lisa just now? <laughs> right. Also, that's like, hey, you wear too much makeup. That's like a veiled, you're wearing so much makeup. It's like a cake on your face. So It's kind of a shitty thing to say. It's a totally it's shitty of, thing to say. It's a, it's, it's a, there's a lot of reasons why that's not the thing you say to a friend of yours. Yeah. Uh, yes. Ever. I remembered at this moment that this high school is in Los Angeles. So having a movie star on campus is like a little less crazy than if it would have been Ohio or something. Then he just wandered into, if he had wandered into my high school in Bogalusa or something, it would have been insane. But this is LA. So it's like, yeah. Well, they shot, they shot an episode of a failed TV show in Fancy Gap one time. And it had two of the stars, two of the stars, not anybody you know, from 21 Jump Street, and everybody lost their goddamn mind. So that's <laughs> as close as we ever came My to Johnny Dakota. Weirdly, now they film a ton of stuff in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. I went to college mm. at LSU in Baton Rouge, and so now, like, I remember the first time it happened was I went and saw the first Pitch Perfect movie, and they filmed in, like, all the classrooms that I had class in, and I was just like, what? Oh, weird. What is happening? And I didn't know before I saw it that they had filmed it there. And then... You know, like Dukes of Hazard and came out around that time, and I went to the, I went to the movies sure. again within a couple of months, and was like, "That is also Baton Rouge." Um, so I've had this experience, but it was not happening when I was living there. It's only happening since I've moved away. So uh, Johnny uh, approaches with a guy. Um, there's a the lot director. to unpack here. Yeah. The director, but until you know that, it's just some guy. And Zach is like, "Hey, Johnny." You were awesome in Skateboard High. 
Yeah. All okay. of the titles of the movies that they say the Johnny's been in sound like the same movie. They sound like 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 a movie that is like uh, in the spiritual realm of like an Airbud type movie. Yeah. yeah, or there's a there's a movie called Skateboard Kid about a kid who has a sentient robot skateboard. Sure. That sounds like a Johnny yeah, Dakota joint. I think it probably is a Johnny Dakota joint. I did <laughs> so. not pay enough attention to it, but yeah, that's definitely there. So Johnny Dakota is wearing an orange and black blazer about four times bigger than his actual frame in the style of the Lord. day. Um, and he asks he asks for directions to the principal's office. And this is one of my famous, this is one of my favorite exchanges in this episode. Mm-hmm. Zach Morris walks up to him and says, Johnny Dakota, I'm Zach Morris. I loved you in Skateboard High. And Johnny Dakota goes, thanks, guy. Right after Zach Morris told him his full name. <laughs> like, <laughs> the very next sentence. It's like if you were like, hi, Chelsea, I'm Andrew Gregg. Nice to meet you. And I was like, hey, guy. Like, you <laughs> just told me just... your first and last name in the breath preceding. I just watched a bunch of, um, because, you know, uh, I'm, I've watched The Office too much so i need different office to watch so i've been watching office bloopers and deleted scenes and there's one just random one it's from the second season or something like that and it's creed on the phone and he's like all right we'll get that paper to you thanks ace and then uh um, um oscar comes up and gives him an envelope and he's like thanks ace and <laughs> like the cutaway is, i'm not good at names <laughs> that's 100 percent that thanks ace well, that was Creed's whole thing is that he never knew anybody's name except for Hanks, the uh, security right. guard. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he calls Jim. Doesn't he call him Johnny? Yeah, he calls him Johnny a lot. <laughs> wow. Johnny Dakota. Let's get back to Johnny this episode. Dakota. Yeah. So Johnny Dakota what, what Johnny Dakota wants is directions to the principal's office. That is right. what he is trying to ascertain. Jesse tells him where to find it. Um, Zach has immediately decided to be best friends with Johnny Dakota and forces his friendship onto him in a way that Johnny never consents to. He says, I'll take you to the principal's office. It's like my second home. And they start walking down the hall and Johnny Dakota bumps into Screech, who drops all of his books and papers and then just huffs off without them, which is one of my favorite things that happens in TV and movies. Someone drops something and then they get mad and they have a moment about being mad about being run into. And then they just uh-huh. leave the thing that they were carrying as though it were not important. Oh, it's still on the ground? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck it. What am I going <laughs> to... I can't pick it up now. That's why I'm so mad <laughs> that I have to huff and puff and, and walk away. <laughs> They're all the way on the ground now. They're ruined. So... All of this is still the setup to the call to adventure. We have not had the call to adventure yet. Yes. This is still the ordinary world. If you've missed all of our previous Saved by the Bell episodes, it's worth noting yet again that Saved by the Bell jam packs their episodes with as much plot, dialogue, gags, more plots, more plots, even more plots. I realized pages of notes on a 23 minute episode of sitcom television. You know what I realized this time, ironically? Even the fucking theme song is a story that's told re- like breathlessly. <laughs> Wake up in the morning. It's only going to be a time. That's exact. That's more telling than anything in here yes. is that the 30-second song tells an entire day's journey. So next we're in the principal's office, and yes. uh, Mr. Belding is playing paddle ball. Wait, principals aren't supposed to play paddle ball, but he is. I guess we should laugh. 
Yep, he's not doing any kind of real work. So now we finally <laughs> we finally have the call to adventure. Johnny tells Belding and Zach and the guy that's following him around, whose only line of through the whole uh, series is "Yo," who's he's and the director. Ben, people laugh their asses off at that. <laughs> yes, can you imagine a guy so, saying "Yo"? Yo, just every time he opens his mouth. So Johnny tells us that he and Yo are looking for a high school at which to film an anti-drug PSA for NBC. Wow, Mm -hmm. NBC, the network that Saved by the Bell airs on. Har har. And they want to use some students in it, which makes Zach light up like a Christmas tree. So this is our call to adventure. Truly, it gets kind of buried in this, but then I had to go back after I watched the whole episode and took all my notes and be like, what journey were we actually on? Zach is our hero, as he is 99% of the time. What Mm -hmm. journey is Zach actually on? And so this journey is... Zach's desire to be in this PSA. And that comes into conflict with things later. But for right now, for the call to adventure, Zach has heard that they want to shoot an anti-drug PSA at Bayside, whatever. Then he hears they want to use students in it. And that's when he gets super excited about the idea. But what he tells us, the audience, that he wants to do is he reminds us that he's a creep. Yes. uh, And he's like, hey, I'm a super creepy creep. And he's like, he wants to make sure Johnny Dakota sticks around because that'll mean that there's a lot of hot women around. Now right. that Beautiful said, girls. he's just talking about filming a PSA at your school. So all the hot women that will be around are just the people at your school who are around anyway. So this is all flawed the from the beginning. Also, it's <laughs> going to shift to different people having interactions with Johnny and their various things. Right. Um, and the reason but, that they yeah. are at Bayside is because it was the first school they saw when they got off the freeway. Um, go. And they're going to check out some other schools. But Zach tells us he addresses the camera without saying time out. He just looks at the camera <laughs> and says, Everybody I can't must let be him. staring at him like, what is he looking at? <laughs> what? Yes. He's like, I can't let Johnny film that PSA anywhere but Bayside. And now we're fully in the special world. Um <sighs> We technically haven't answered the call. We have we have the call to adventure presented, but we haven't technically answered it yet because there's a weird in between bit because we have to get uh, white people rapping in here. So God damn um, it, this fucking <laughs> ruined my day. Like this ruined my. I have in my notes. Okay, so here's how it goes: is um, yep. they're walking down the hallway. The building makes a, a gross food at school joke. Hilarious. And then yeah. Zach is like, hey, uh, we'd like to show you why you should film your PSA here at, at Bayside. And they pan over and all of the students are on the stairs. And I, I paused it. And I was like, I wrote <laughs> down no. No, I don't want to yes. do this. No. I thought about quitting this <laughs> podcast instead of watching what happened next. And then I unpaused it, and I don't think I made the right choice. Um, <laughs> Thank they, you for they, showing up today. Um, you say all, all of I the students, do. but notably Kelly is not there. Uh, Kelly is uh, yeah, not, not here right. for the staircase rap. Um, Zach basically ambushes Johnny Dakota and makes him listen to what we have to assume is a quickly thrown together and rehearsed maybe once staircase rap. Yeah. Um, that ends with the lyric, when it comes to drugs, just don't use. Which is like, that was that the first draft of Just Say No? Just Don't well, Use? Just Don't Use. Also, the three, kids at, the three kids at the back of the group don't know the rap. Yeah. No, that's a fun nobody, moment. And they also have plugged in some weird slacker kid to do beatboxing. 
which is weird. Some kid with ripped jeans is in the front, <laughs> apropos of nothing. He was just definitely a, a PA that they're like, uh, we wish they knew somebody who would beatbox. And he's like, I can do that. Or some extra who's like, bump up his pay by 50 bucks. Director Yo and uh, Johnny Dakota are very impressed by the student rap, but still not convinced that they shouldn't go see a bunch more high schools. So Jesse, in a weird thing that is so, it is so theater. This is such a theater yes. move. I'm glad you know Jesse this too. Spano says, I'm the student body president and um, I am going to tell you more about our academics and our school spirit and da da da. And so she and Johnny Dakota walk off about f- six feet uh, down the hall as yeah. Kelly, just to give Kelly enough time to rush in wearing an orange short all unitard situation yes, under yes. a flowered cropped bomber jacket with the collar pops. It is truly a superlative outfit. There this are outfit. too many words to describe her outfits. Like an she, orange should be the one that we're concentrating on somehow. That's gotten no, lost to bomber no, jacket and no. floral. So she is super pumped. Kelly is super pumped that Johnny is here because she loves his movies, but she's terrified to try to talk to him. And Lisa, in the only joke of this episode that actually made me laugh, Lisa goes, just yep. talk to him. It's easy. I almost did it. And I, <laughs> I thought that was pretty it. funny. Um, yep. So Jesse and Johnny come back. They've literally not even reached the end of the hall before they've turned around and come back. It's such a, like, we had to get Kelly on here. She can't see him yet. She has to say these three lines. Then Lisa has a line. Then they come back. Yeah, there's nothing she could have told or shown him in this amount of time. They must have walked away. And she's like, I can't think of anything to show you. Let's walk back. Right. Also, I just want to tell you about our academics. I could have done that from the staircase. You could have stood right where you were. Um, But they have to get him away from the group for a moment. So when he comes back and he sees Kelly... She doesn't say a single word. Zach basically shoves Kelly at Johnny Dakota like a piece of bait. And he's like, this is our head cheerleader. uh, Uses her, pimps her out might be another (laughs) phrase you could use here. She has spoken no words. Kelly has. She just puts her hand out and Johnny shakes it. And he's like, oh, we're definitely going to film here in a super creepy way. That's like, oh, because this girl in the orange shorteralls is here now. (laughs) Like is... Yeah. I guess at the time you were supposed to be excited for Kelly. Like if Jonathan Taylor Thomas came to your high school and he was like, I don't know about filming here. And then you showed up in your popped collar jacket and he was like, yes, we're filming here. You would be so excited as a 16 year old, 15 year old girl. So I guess we're supposed to be excited for Kelly. But right now watching it as an adult, I'm like, ugh. Also, well, Kelly, you're also looking at Kelly, it like, this is Jeff all over famous. again. How old is this man? <laughs> this is Jeff all over again. <laughs> like, Stop dating old dudes. This is the same this is the same season where she dates Jeff and it's like, Kelly, again, how old could you possibly be? 16 or 17? How old is Johnny Dakota? Definitely 18 or older. So why is everyone she needs to be around saved by a parent or guardian? <laughs> So I'd like to try out a new segment right now, uh, and I, I uh, we'll just see how it goes, and then we'll uh, we'll do it. Okay, so it's a new segment called "They Knew." <laughs> okay, you ready? <laughs> they knew. <laughs> Johnny Dakota. Johnny Dakota stares directly at Kelly, and his line is, "Quote: I definitely want to shoot at Bayside." They knew. <laughs> they knew. They knew. They knew. They knew. They knew. They knew. And that's the new segment called They Knew. They knew. 
Uh, yes. So everyone's super pumped. In fact, everyone starts applauding that dangling Kelly in front of this older man has secured the PSA (laughs) for the school. And now, uh, we have finally answered the call to adventure and we are off into the tests, allies and enemies majority portion of the storytelling. Okay. So next up, we are at a classroom. Mm -hmm. This is the, uh, the set, which is just a classroom from which they've removed all the desks. Okay. So, so many things happen here <laughs> so many things he's like i want to show you these storyboards and he shows it to her and he's like this is the part you're gonna play and he points to it and it's a picture of two stick figures and the audience is laughing because that's hilarious but then johnny dakota straight clocks kelly's ass <laughs> and says but you got more curves than a stick figure i was grossed yeah, out yeah and she's I like was straight grossed it. out and it's like you're at it's, school you're at school yeah it's maybe supposed to be like an up and down thing, but he just like eyes, ass, lie. That's because she doesn't have any boobs. So <laughs> truly, he can't. Oh my do- God, Chelsea. She's very skinny. He he can't Fine. do the whole up and down thing. Like there's. We could. He, well. That's the polite thing. That's the polite thing to do. It's a polite thing to do. This is her listen, actual boyfriend. Listen. He's done the up and down and he knows where the curves no. are. You never stop doing the up and down. It does not matter the proportions of the woman that you're with. You always do a, like, ceremonial, yes, there's nothing here, there's your butt, uh, but I'll go back up as well. We'll pretend there's something happening here. That's what you do. It's just, it's just polite. Maybe Johnny Dakota is an ass man. Clearly, he's going out with Kelly. So, here's another thing uh, that... (laughs) Here's another thing that I'm very confused by (laughs) that comes up (laughs) incredibly often in teenage sitcoms. Oh God, I know what you're gonna say, and I wrote it too. You okay? Well, I'm. I'm. That concerns me because I was really hoping you'd be able to brain in his (laughs) butt, brains in his butt. This whole thing. He he looks at her. He's like, "Ah, you're so hot. You must have a lot of boyfriends." Yes, this has bothered me since I was a kid. The idea that boyfriends and girlfriends is plural and not like you must go out with a lot of people. You must date a lot of people. Like you only can have one boyfriend or girlfriend. The definition of the commitment, like you wouldn't put a label, you wouldn't put multiple labels unless you're really a, like you come from like a polygamous background, you wouldn't use the same label for multiple people. Even if you had like multiple people with the same, you would just say I'm dating multiple people or whatever. But like, I think if I had to guess that Um. this was a holdover of an older of like 60s and 70s slang. Yeah. And the writers yeah. just didn't know that in the 80s and especially the 90s, kids didn't say, oh, I have many boyfriends. I think in the 50s, you, the, I think you're onto something because I think the terminology that you keep seeing in like 50s dramas and songs and things like that is like somebody's got to wear somebody's ring, somebody's getting pinned, somebody's going steady. So it may be that having a boyfriend or a girlfriend was sort of a we're dating kind right. of a thing. And then like if we we are pinned or ringed we're going or steady. steadied. Yeah. Yeah, then it's exclusive. They have the these writers who have are probably in their 100s <laughs> uh, have not caught up to it. Um, okay, I think we got that. I think we cleared that up. Although Brains it's funny butt. because he says, how many boyfriends do you have? And she says, none. And I want to raise a flag and be like, you did have two earlier in this season. I mean, uh, 
So what are we talking a, about? Presents? Legitimate or? question. Uh, and then Johnny's like, I don't have a girlfriend either. And that's a super weird way to hit on someone because it's, it's real weird. It's being like, instead of being like, would you like to go out sometime? It's like, I have some money. Do you have free time? Cool. Sure. Or it's like, but, 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 but you have to make a connection between those two ideas. I think I think you do. And also this doesn't helping. It's like how many people are you dating right now? <laughs> Is there enough room for me in your dating roster? Right. <laughs> Um, Kelly is super jazzed about this regardless. She is sure. not noticing any of the red flags that we have seen. And mercenary Zach, of course, has wasted no time in setting up a Johnny Dakota souvenirs booth right out oh, in the middle of the hallway. I, I wrote down here that Zach has set up Johnny Dakota merch. He's like a young Logan Paul, except just as bad in different ways. <laughs> he, Lisa uh, wants to buy some Johnny Dakota sunglasses, but she's broke. No, she isn't. Never broke. Uh, but she just steals them instead. Yeah, so she strangles Zach for them is what she actually does. Sure This does. show and physical violence or threats of physical violence, it's like how these people communicate with their friends a lot. We've it's noted weird. this before. This is our it's moment weird. of physical violence, which yeah. is a requisite for every episode of Saved by the Bell. Yeah, and it's weird because you usually see that physical violence in a school setting and you're like, oh, this isn't good. It's like watching people hug now. I'm like, no, <laughs> don't do that. You're going to die. Uh, yeah, so- I have a couple of moments in each of the episodes we've watched recently where I'm like, watch out. Yeah. You're touching hands. There were too many people in this room. Yeah, exactly. Uh, why is this school still open? <laughs> <laughs> so Belding walks in to the hallway and sees the souvenir booth and he's naturally pissed because it's this in is... in the middle of everything. It, because this is a gross thing to do, first of yeah, all. exactly. To, and he says, you're trying to make money off our guest. Zach, of course, has decided that he and Johnny are very best friends and has been telling everyone this. And um, in his mind, maybe they truly are because Zach's a bit of a sociopath. Well, then, in what will become like a real shitty thing later on, Johnny comes up and says, hey, Mr. Belding, this was all my idea. And not to foreshadow too much, but yeah, Johnny doesn't narc on Zach in this moment. <laughs> and the, just, uh... just pointing that out, that, that he's like, wow, Zach's doing something shady and borderline illegal. Although, if you take a libertarian stance, he should be able to move his, you know, property. No, he's um, doing something skeezy and illegal, but I don't see a reason for him to get in trouble about that, so I'll cover for you. Yeah, so he says, oh no, this was all my idea, Mr. Belding. I told Zach that he could sell these souvenirs as long as the profits yeah. go to the Teen Drug Foundation, which I googled. Sure. The Teen Drug Foundation, if it ever existed, it doesn't anymore. So, part of me is like, did they make that up, or... Is Johnny Dakota making it up on the spot? Because he then, when Belding walks away and Belding's like, oh, okay, well, if it's going to charity, that's fine. He doesn't then go up to Zach and go, you know, you do have to donate that to charity. No, the, that's the, all. The assumption here is that Zach is going to continue to keep this money and they just lied to Belding together about a charity that doesn't exist. It's, well, not only that, but then Johnny gives Zach his very uninteresting jacket to sell as well. Yes, this jacket I, is I'm calling this stupid as hell. Chekhov's lilac bomber jacket is what I'm calling it. <laughs> what the fuck? It, it's as though people threw darts at things. Orange bodysuit, floral bomber jacket. Okay, pass me that good cocaine. <laughs> 
<laughs> it is a um, it is a kind of an oversized, sort of a members only type looking jacket, but it's not. There's no brand name on it or anything, and it's lilac. And Zach is like, Johnny goes here, see how much you can get for this. And Zach goes, I'm gonna go ahead and keep this for myself, which is like, no, yeah, that's real. not. That's not that's why. Not how any of not this why works. I gave it to you. And then they have an exchange where it's clear that Johnny is maybe a little more self-serving than we have been led to believe because he's like, you know who you remind me of when, um, is me when I was in high school. I used to lease the yep. parking lot to a Chevy dealer on the weekend, and Zach is like, I love you. I'm in love oh, with you. I'm going to go put on my orange bodysuit and see right. if you'll go after me. <laughs> this should be another red flag, but Surely. it's not. I've thrown out a lot of fan theories in my life, Chelsea, but this one I feel really, really good about. So they go into the bathroom, a punker whose name is... Scud. Scud, thank you. We'll find that out later. A punker named Scud uh, is washing his hands, and he gets a paper towel, he wads, wads it up, and he throws it in Zach's fucking face. And I immediately thought, what if literally everybody at this high school, except for the five people that we see, fucking hate Zach? <laughs> What if everybody hates these five people and we just never see anybody else's point of view? And so it's like, this is one of the few times where somebody's like, oh, it's that fucking Zach dude and throws a paper towel in his face. That's what I'd like to believe. Yeah, I have to contradict this fan theory, though, because they are constantly being given things that are outright popularity contests. Like Jesse has won an election, many elections. Zach at the date auction commands the biggest price. You know, Kelly's the head cheerleader, which is voted on by the other cheerleaders. Gud has just left after throwing the paper towel in Zach's face. And the boys find, they say it's a roach, but it looks like a full joint. It looks like no one has. There's plenty left. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Maybe someone was interrupted. So they find a rolled joint on the floor. They're like, oh, shit, if Johnny finds out about this, they won't shoot the anti-drug PSA here. Quick, get rid of it. So, of course, Johnny walks in as Slater is holding the joint and says, what's going on, guys? And that line takes on a whole different tone if you believe the love rhombus was going on. What's going on, guys? Why is there a camera in here, too? What? Um, Cut to commercial. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, there will be no B or C plots because this is a serious episode. For real. I want to point out another fun uh, trope that gets uh, used a lot in these things. And I think it's well-meaning, but it always makes me laugh. Zach and Slater come in and Zach is like, it smells like pot in here. And Slater looks down and he goes, oh my God, it's a roach. And I'm like, you guys really know a lot. Know a lot about drugs. it. Yeah. You guys know about yeah. drugs. Like you should be like, ah. This smells like a jazz club. What's that funny cigarette down there? It's a jazz or, cigarette. It's a jazz cigarette. Or you say, oh, this smells like pot. Or this smells like how they describe pot. Or you, you preface it in some way. Just yeah. like having characters smells know like a lot about Smells like my Uncle pot. Larry's camper van. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just saying. It's always yeah, a weird thing when They're very articulate. Are, they're Very immediately much. like, oh, it smells like pot. Oh, there's a roach. We have to get rid of it. Um, and What's that sticky icky going on over there? Right. Go ahead. Uh, after the commercial, Slater and we resume right where we left off. And Slater and Zach tell Johnny this is not our, not our drugs. Um, and he believes them. And he tells them, hey, you guys should be in the PSA, which is like well, based on what? Sure. But he does a real fun bit of choreography, Johnny does, where he 
picks up the roach, kicks open the door to a bathroom stall, throws the the joint in the toilet, flushes it with his foot, spins back out, like spin does a full 360 spin, double finger guns, shoulder checks the door, and he's out. It's like a lovely, it's like that's where all his dance training has really comes in in this episode. Oh, you're right. This was very like, hey, Eddie, you're doing a miserable job. So uh, I don't want to give you acting notes, but can you end this scene as quickly as possible? You got it. What if I do a pirouette to double finger guns to shoulder check the door? And they're like, whatever gets you out of this, whatever gets us all out of this scene as quickly as possible. Pretend you need to do that in less than five seconds and you're on. (laughs) Also, does he throw the joint in the toilet or is he just like, woink? You just pockets Saves it. it for later. Yes. So the very next scene, we're back on, quote, set, the classroom where they're going to film mm-hmm. the PSA. And Johnny sits backward on a chair right next to Slater sitting backward on a chair to show him who's boss. Well, it's also a way to signify that they're about to have a real talk rap session. They're going to rap about like, like drugs. Dangerous, like Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. It's time to get real. <laughs> yep. That's how you know. He said he asks the Bayside students what they think about drugs. Um... And I like one of the things that I really like about this, um, all of the anti-drug PSAs is that they're so nonspecific. Um, Mm -hmm. And there is a little bit of a joke about that because it's like, are we talking about pot? Are we talking about black tar heroin? Because I have different feelings about those things. And actually it's funny because he says, tell me what you think about drugs and screech misunderstands because he's a nerd and is like, well, I have to keep taking my prescriptions. And from it's supposed to be funny and everybody laughs because he's such a dork. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, you didn't specify, did you? Yeah. What kind of that drugs you're talking about? Maybe this is the time when you start to like say what's up. So we have a very special student named Blaze, ironically. Yeah. They knew. Blaze is a punker. Blaze uh, is a punker. Well. We will find out that she is Scud's girlfriend. Makes sense. Uh, They're so the only two fucking, punkers in school. She, it, to your point, she tells a story. Uh, somebody says the drugs are dumb. She's like, you want to know about dumb? Let me tell you. My brother is in a wheelchair because he used to drive high to the beach. Uh, now, no, she's like, my brother used to drive uh, to the beach high, and now I have to drive him. And I'm like, is just now? Now he's too lazy to do it himself. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just like, like uh, I want to get high, and driving's a real drag. You have to drive me. <laughs> Also, also, I'm going to be toting around in this wheelchair now because walk-ins for dummies. Pass me that ball. She says, she delivers this monologue, these four lines, with Mm -hmm. the earnestness of someone who has been auditioning in L.A. for 10 years and just got four lines on the biggest show on teen television. She's like, you want to hear about dumb? My brother used to drive to the beach and get high. Now I have to drive him. Heels in a wheelchair. And it's I'm like. I'm surprised her like whoa. agent info didn't pop up at the bottom of that because that's your real girl. It is that so is like, real. This is her whole reel. I don't mean to disparage this woman because she's doing. She's fine. She's like great. But. Oh, there's nothing wrong the, at all. It's doing a dramatic bit of work when you've got no setup and no nothing. Yeah. No, fucking swing for the fences, buddy. Exactly. She fucking swings for the fences. Um. And then Zach, Zach and Slater bring up celebrities who died from drug overdoses just to <laughs> make this even more of a bummer of a rap session. Yeah. And then Kelly's and then like, I just don't get why people do it. 
And Jesse brings up her caffeine pill addiction. Yep. And the camera zooms in real slow. I was pleased like, oh. at this. I was like, wow, some continuity. That's pretty cool. <laughs> right. We don't have just the regular series amnesia where we forgot no. what happened two episodes ago. There's a special episode where Zach discovers that he is part Native American. Oh, uh, it's like two episodes before this. I That's been on my go. list for us to do forever. This, yeah. By the way, this episode plunks right down. Uh, right before the rockumentary fantasy episode. This, this is, is the crazy season where they're going back and forth to the beach, too. Like, this is the season where the continuity is even less than usual. I mean, Zach and Kelly break up in the beginning of this season, the episode we talked about with Vela um, last yeah. in season three of our podcast. And, like, the... All the gloves come off. It just doesn't even matter anymore. Is it summer? Is it winter? Are movie stars running around? Are they in a rock band? What's they going? discovered? Yeah, they discovered oil on our football field. We're all going to be rich. That's not how anything works. That's not how it works at all. Um, yeah. So Blaze, the punker, um, Scud, the guy from earlier, comes in and he's like, "Come on, we got to go to the leather store and buy a dog collar for my mom." And she's like, "I'm working on something here." Um, hey, just I'm as trying to get as, more lines. Just as earnest as can be. And so the sleuth team, crack, crack sleuth detective squad of A.C. Slater, Zach Morris, and Screech, Samuel Screech Powers, yep. realize, oh, man, you remember Scud left the bathroom right before we found that roach? And it's like... When you were when you were holding it in your hand and trying to figure out who could have left it, you didn't remember the <laughs> guy that threw a paper towel on Zach's the face. Key slash only suspect possible. <laughs> right. Wait, wait. They're like, was it okay. one of us? <laughs> wait, wait, Johnny just came in. Was it him? This wait. is the boys' bathroom, so we can eliminate all the girls, right? Or can we? Oh, so, wouldn't that wouldn't that be just like Kelly? <laughs> so they assume Scud's the pothead, and they're gonna go catch him somehow sure. for whatever reason so they go well, to the they, bathroom they want they want they're like if somebody catches if scud is smoking pot here and they find scud smoking pot here this psa is history but johnny's so already seen go... the drugs he yeah. saw them already no. and he didn't Again. cancel the psa holmes and watson they are not <laughs> they're more holmes and watson the movie um, so they go they go land. to the bathroom. Scud's in there, but he's smoking a cigarette, not a jazz cigarette. No big deal. No big deal. No um, big deal. Slater helpfully and judgmentally informs him, this can kill you too, genius. But Scud's and like... And then they're like... I don't know yeah, anything about the like, pot. I just wanted to come into the bathroom to smoke a cigarette by myself. Apparently, this is my smoking lounge. And they say straight to him, hey, I guess we were prejudiced against the way you looked. And he's like, yeah, well, that's a thing. <laughs> yes. He's very evolved cool. for someone named Scud. He's seen that Quincy Emmy episode. He knows how bad it can get. So now we go to the max where Kelly does all of her dating. And she is there with Johnny and they're holding hands and sharing French fries. And I want to be like, this dude is ostensibly rich. Definitely has a car. You couldn't go anywhere else. The you can go. He, he couldn't take you to somewhere nice. No, no, no. We're yeah. at the max. Kelly and Lisa come in. Lisa works for school paper. Or they both are on the school paper. Lisa writes a right. gossip column. She wants to ask Johnny questions. Once again, me, she uh, can't talk to him. I'm gonna. I was just gonna. I was just gonna sum all this up by saying this is worthless. <laughs> this is truly yeah. just the dumbest thing. It's yeah. be like uh, we gotta have some humor we gotta get in them here. All. I guess. But also Zach and. 
Zack and Slater come in with under uh, some flimsy premise as well. And Screech is also there. And the whole thing is like, we need the whole gang in the same room with Johnny so he can invite them all to a party at his house. So under various flimsy premises, they all come in and he's there with Kelly, which again, how old is she? Who knows? They knew. And she says, uh, he's like, Zach, you're the greatest. Come to a party. In fact, everyone come to a party at my house tonight. And they're like, yeah. Um, so now we're all going to go to a party in a movie star's house. Sure. And we cut right to that party. And that party isn't great. This party is somehow in the Hollywood Hills, but also four blocks from DTLA, judging by how close those skyscrapers are. Lord, you ain't kidding. It's like, it's like they were like, uh, these, all these writers live in LA. They say parties in the Hollywood Hills, which yeah. if you've been up in the Hollywood Hills, you're a long way from downtown. And even on a very clear day, you can barely see no. the skyscrapers of DTLA. But this is like it's, it's like the Frasier backdrop. It's like <laughs> they, they, they put, they put those, those buildings right up against the big picture windows on this set. And it's like, you didn't have to do that. Nobody made you do that. You built a whole new set for this scene. You didn't recycle it from some, somewhere no, else. No, they probably recycled it from somewhere else, honestly. But That's probably like the... That skyline, like right up against the... Ugh. They must have. They must have thought that nobody would care, and honestly, we shouldn't care. So here's. Let me sum up this party real quick because we. This is. This is all. This is nonsense. Let's get to it. Uh, Slater is striking out with every woman. Uh, Screech enters dressed in a hat, sunglasses, and trench coat, or as I like to call it, Dustin Diamond. Uh, (laughs) He's making an ass of himself. Um, There are many girls in versions of the same tight mini dress, and many dudes in versions of the same long, oversized blazer and pleated pants. Everyone's kind of a uniform. Do you have anything to say about Zach's outfit here? It's like a mint green, long blazer over pleated pants pantsuit. And I feel like his collar lapels are a different color. Collar, no, his, his collar matches his blazer. But then two the two sides of his shirt are different shades of yeah, shit green. There's some, some color blocking going on. Lisa and Jesse are very excited because they're dancing with movie stars uh, whose names are made up. The world is their oyster. Even Screech is inexplicably getting hit on uh, because, yeah. and I say inexplicably because he truly is the one who actually looks like he's in high school at this party. And sure. you think all these famous people in their 20s would be like, whose kid brother are you? Why are you here? You should be no, here. There's going to be drugs getting hit here, on. by the way. And now uh, we yeah. need a flimsy premise to get the whole gang out of the party, except for Kelly. So Screech hurts himself and immediately Zach's like, Slater. You and me and Lisa and Jesse and Kelly need to take Screech home. And Johnny's like, not Kelly. And they're like, cool, I guess four people will have to be enough to help somebody to a car. And Zach's like, you're right. I'll come right back, too. I'll help you put him in the car. And then Slater and Jesse and Lisa can leave. But I'll be right back. And Kelly will stay, too. And it's like, you know what what also could have happened is that just Zach and Kelly get invited to this party. That could have also been the thing. Yeah, but then we would have lost all of the weird Zach's. I mean, uh, Slater's getting hit on, but Slater can't get a date. But Screech is getting hit on, and what? Like, it's, I yeah. guess there were oh. jokes we needed to make, but sure, we had to. It. There are two very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tenuous is not the word. There are two very sort of forced scenes in a row, and one oh, is sure. one is driving toward getting the whole gang to this party, and the other is driving toward getting everybody but Kelly out of this party, and it's like, yep. why could you not just use those six pages 
to tell a better story? Why did you have to set <laughs> up something to then shut it down? I don't know. I don't either. Uh, everybody's gone. Kelly and, and Johnny Dakota make out for a hot second. And then somebody gives Johnny a joint and everybody at the party stops to watch him smoke it as though it's been poisoned. <laughs> like everybody stops is like, is he going to smoke it? We'll finally be rid of Johnny Dakota forever. Do you know what he says to uh, the guy that gives him the joint? Thanks, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ace. That's fucking phenomenal. Do you think, here's the thing. Do you think that maybe Eddie, the actor, could not remember anybody's name? <laughs> That's possible, too. Yes. That could very well be it. So, like, so he just... So Kelly, call everybody guy. <laughs> Kelly is horrified because Johnny takes a drag off this joint and then he offers it to her and she stares at it like it's a severed hand. She yep. is so upset. And also she is now uh, a high school age girl in a party full of people 10 years older than she is that she doesn't mm-hmm. know in a part of town that she doesn't hang out in. So they don't ever yeah. play. They don't play that up. Like the whole danger here is just the marijuana jazz cigarette that she is holding. Sure. But I'm like, what if she accidentally smokes it and becomes, you know, a streetwalker or something like that? Well, but what if she accidentally smokes and then she's at a party with a bunch of people that don't know her or care about her and she gets out of control. Like there is actually some sure. danger here that they completely yeah. they just like circumvent completely because suddenly it's like, no, oh, oops, I ended up at a party with someone I barely know and a bunch of people I don't know at all in a part of town and my friends are all gone. Like this is actually a dangerous situation. We're not acknowledging yeah. any of that. No. All of the danger is located in the joint. Spoiler alert, we're never going to discuss why drugs are bad, just that they are. This yeah, is exactly. one of those episodes where we're not going to give specific examples. We're just going to say that there is, if you would like to be with dope, you better be ready for the lack of hope that you're going to experience. Yeah. So Zach is like, Zach comes back and he's like, what's happening? And Johnny's like, I'm just smoking pot. And Zach's like, oh, judgment. And then they leave. He says, oh, it's only pot. And Zach's like, uh, and then he says, everybody does it. And Kelly goes, oh, not me. And Zach's like, I don't smoke it. And what the pusher, the guy that sat down, says, looks like she's just saying no in a sing-songy sort of mocking sure. voice. And yeah. they leave. And then the next scene is at school, and I'm like, wait, this party was on a school night? That they all just like, <laughs> went to this party in the hills, and the next morning they're all back at school? But sure. yeah, so Kelly and Zach leave. He is like her knight in shining armor. He shows up and escorts her out of the, the party. Um, to be fair, besides the sort of sing-songy mocking guy, no one is really mm. pressuring her to do this. I mean, everybody Johnny stares just at the person who's in control of the, the, the weed, like it's the last weed on earth, but no, <laughs> who cares? That's, right. again, such an unrealistic thing about peer pressure, especially if you were a kid. If you're in Los Angeles, sure, maybe you'll get some peer pressure, but if you grew up in Fancy Gap or Bogalusa and you were like, I don't really want to do drugs, the person would say, cool, more drugs for me. More drugs for me. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, there was much more peer pressure around drinking when I was a you kid, all, but it was, yeah. it wasn't like someone was forcing, it was more just sort of like, eh, you're a dork, you know, like there was some, like, you're lame, but there was no like, here, I'm shoving this in your face sure, and no, making you do this. It's 100% cool. I guess I'll have a goofball for later then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So now we're approaching the inmost cave. We are 
back at Bayside, um, mm-hmm. and it's the day of the shoot, and Zach and Johnny run into each other in the hall, and Johnny's like, very nicely, like, hey, I am, uh, I know you stormed out of my party last night and took my date, but no hard feelings, and let's go shoot this PSA. And, and Zach, by the way, is wearing Johnny's jacket. He's wearing That's- Johnny's jacket. He put that on. He must be like, I'm so mad at Johnny. Put this jacket yeah. on real quick. But I need oh, I'm going to tell that of... Johnny. Oh, this looks good on me. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to tell that Johnny one thing or two. Zip it? No, I'm going to leave it unzipped. That's the end of my little play. That's the... Johnny is nonplussed. Zach's like, I don't want to shoot this PSA after what happened last night. Johnny's like, what I do at my home is my business. And uh, what do you want from me? And Zach's like, I want you not to shoot the PSA. And Johnny declines to not do the thing that they've all been setting up all week. Um, So Zach calls him a hypocrite and gives him back Chekhov's lilac bomber jacket. And then they (laughs) go in to shoot the commercial. And somehow the only people who are in the commercial now are our sort of main gang and Johnny. And they're all pissy because... Sitting off to one side and not well, reacting at all is Blaze. Is Blaze. She's on like a ladder, but she doesn't have lines or anything. But She they might go to be sh- like a tech person at this point. Right. So they, Zach goes in and the, the gang's all there and they're like, did you talk to him? And he's like, yeah, he, he refuses to quit this commercial, which is right. like, yeah, because he's the reason that any of this is happening. Of course. So that was... Yeah. So that was all approaching the inmost cave, and now we come to the supreme ordeal, which is, Zach, are you going to shoot this PSA? So if the journey we've been on is that Zach wants to be even more famous and cooler and around more girls than he usually is, and the way that Mm. in this episode they've set up the way to achieve that is to be in a commercial. Right. Now, he has a showdown with the shadow, which is his own feelings about drugs and he's never faced a conflict quite like this he, he values appearances above everything else sure. and here's his chance to appear the most cool that he's ever been able to appear but to do that will mean betraying not only his own values but also his friends yeah, um, compromising his newfound integrity <laughs> right i've only uh, got a sliver of integrity i can't blow it so zach decides to give up being the coolest he's ever been able to maybe be and sure. walks off the set and says, I just can't do this. And everyone else gets a, a, a one-liner and follows, including Kelly. Kelly's the last one to go. She's like, bye. And she storms out. So that is the Supreme ordeal. They all go. pick their values over appearing cool with a pothead uh, movie star. And then Johnny and gets like, upset and he storms yeah, out. Absolutely. And I like the transition that they do here. This is pretty pretty well used technique where the next thing that you see is all of the gang in the principal's office and building saying you did the right thing it's like no explanation no here's why we did it no nothing it's just here's what they did and then a grown-up saying you did the right thing right we skip the part where they tell him why they all left um and why they left like 20 people that showed up to shoot this commercial just standing around with their hands in their pockets. Yeah. Like how maybe uh, they could have just uh, mentioned it earlier before everybody got <laughs> everything all set up. I don't right. Know. So they're in Belding's office and uh, Belding's like, I'm proud of you. And also maybe NBC will still shoot this commercial here. I know someone at NBC and he calls the chairman of NBC, Brandon Tartikoff, most famous for being the namesake of Brandon, the dog and Punky Brewster. That's why he's most famous to me. Yep. Um, Boy, it's going to take some Shabu level powers to get this thing. Let's just do all the Punky Brewster references. Shabu, no. 
Um, so Brandon Tartikoff is there now filming the end of a PSA with the kids. And then uh, he's like, wow, that was really good. And, and they all say, there's no hope with dope. Um, yeah, Brandon Tartikoff the, plays himself. Right. They've kept the same director, which is weird to me, but that's fine. <laughs> yes. uh, they do a backstory about Belding and Tartikoff. And I'm like, don't do this. this yeah, is they fun. were like childhood they, friends and the whole yeah. thing. And this is the reward consequences part. And it's all reward. Zach uh-huh. still gets to be on TV and he gets more lines than anyone else in the PSA. Sure does. Um, besides Brandon Tartikoff. And then they do the fun thing where they do the world bending and they act like they're not on a TV show where Brandon Tartikoff is like, hey, maybe NBC should do a show about a high school principal and his kids. Nah, it'll never work. Yeah, you accidentally yuck, said yuck, that yuck. was that was fun. It was not. <laughs> it was not fun. <laughs> so they do a thing where they're like, okay, so they film the end of the thing, and then they, they say, hey, let's all check out the PSA, and then they just watch the PSA, and that's the end of the episode. Yeah, it's they watch fine. the playback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the PSA sucks. I mean, there's no, <laughs> there's no two ways about it. This line bothers me every time I see it. Would I use dope? Nope. It's like... <laughs> That sounds stupid. That it's sounds like, dumb. but it's like it's like the. It reminds me of um the episode of uh of Parks and Rec where they're recalling Leslie and she prints up the don't stickers yes. and the question mark stickers. And she's like, so put them on the oh, sign no. so they say recall Leslie. Nope. Question mark. Don't. don't. And someone's <laughs> right. like, just put the don't in front of the recall. That's like, fair. Nope. That's fair. <laughs> Should I use pot? Not. If you'd done that, it would have been more of the time. Should I use marijuana? I don't wanna. I don't wanna. See, like I'm sure they did all of these things, and the best they were like, it sounds shitty, but would I use dope? Nope, is gonna be the best we can do here. Right. Let's all go home to our wives that we met in the '50s when they had multiple boyfriends. <laughs> multiple boyfriends. Okay, there's a lot to unpack here. So let's Still. just talk about the layers, the layers of reality in yeah. this episode. So we have a bunch of. 20-something-year-old actors who, if they were actually as party-crazy as Dustin Diamond says that they were... Even half as party-crazy. Then they were all Johnny Dakotas. And the layers of this thing go super deep. Also, what are the writers saying here? They mock just say no. And then they basically give us an entire episode about why you can't trust famous actors doing a PSA and then end it with a PSA starring famous actors. What is the play here? I'm just like, you've you've just spent an entire episode telling us not to trust this. And now we're supposed to trust this? What is happening? Wow. That's a solid point, by the way. That is a very solid point. Uh, yeah, the writers are saying, hey, you know who's duplicitous? These people who are about to tell you not to do drugs. Yeah, fucking you think Mark Paul Gossler has never smoked pot? We're supposed to really watch this and think that? Like He what? was in Dead Man on Campus, a movie directed and produced by marijuana. In addition to the fact that like this show undercuts PSAs the entire way through and then lands on a PSA that we're supposed to, we're supposed to yep. what, trust Brandon Tartikoff? Because... He's not a movie. Like, what? Why? Don't listen to hypocritical PSAs. Listen to this PSA. Right. We're just going to assure you is not hypocritical. And of course, as we've discussed at length on this podcast, the war on drugs in the media has been heavily scrutinized and criticized over the last 30 years. And we know that in addition to doing things like exacerbating mass incarceration Mm -hmm. um, and not giving kids any information about drugs, this sort of like boogeyman effect 
uh, also doesn't prevent people from trying drugs uh, and doesn't do anything but add to the stigma around addiction. Although the U.S. government spent more than a billion dollars funding anti-drug PSAs in the 80s and 90s, there is no evidence to show that these ads worked. Studies have since showed that the ads, even if they soured teens' attitudes on drugs, didn't actually cause them to change their behavior. In fact, some ads had a forbidden fruit effect and made teens even more curious about trying drugs. So... Yeah, the money spent on those ads in the 80s and 90s was just a waste, just government waste. They were basically lectures, kids tuned them out. The ones that give people factual bits of information and show that teens who are drug-free are independent and thinking for themselves. So not scare tactics, not like, this is dumb, this will make you uh, crash your car and you'll have to be in a wheelchair. But like, if Kelly had actually showed up at that party, been offered drugs and been like, no, I'm good. I don't think so. And then like nothing terrible happened. She was just able to make that choice for herself and then was not considered to be devalued in any way. and didn't immediately have to leave the party. Maybe this episode would have worked a little bit better. I mean, there everything about it. Everything about it is broken, but the party scene could have served more than the PSA had it been handled correctly. Absolutely. Uh, But they want in all of these instances, they want some sort of reward based on the fact that you made the incredibly difficult social decision not to do drugs. Like, you basically risk ruining your entire life not doing drugs, but that's the right thing to do, and here's your reward. Yeah, but, like, as a teenager, I would have responded better to some someone showing me that I could turn down oh, yeah. drugs at a party no, and then I'm saying that be you're, fine. Yeah, that's, that's correct. You know what I'm I mean? saying that the strategy here is... You know, let's let's really underline peer pressure because that's what we're you know being told that that's what gets kids involved in drugs in the first place. Right, and, and that's also not we're true. talking it's about drugs being amazing. That's what we're gets talking kids. about. Pot, which yeah. none of these anti-pot episodes have aged well because now it's legal. You know, yeah. and also we have found. A lot of the things they said about pot, like it's a gateway drug, you can't just stop with pot, like none of that is true. So you, all of these ones that are like, no one is thinking that, no one is, no one on this podcast or at NBC or anywhere is saying, yeah, let's let the kids have as much crystal meth as they want. Let's let's <laughs> right. give all the kids black tar heroin and let them decide for themselves. But by acting like by acting like drugs are a monolith, they yeah. are one thing from pot to meth. It's it's all the same thing and it's all bad. Just stay away from all of it. It doesn't give anyone any information that they would need to make an informed decision. And also it's just not the consequences of the use of those things are very different. Uh, so, yes, thank you again for listening to us go through a <laughs> Save by the Bell episode. What did we learn from this Save by the Bell episode to pivot Holy so shit. naturally? Well, I learned I learned that this guy was Tiffany Amber Thiessen's actual boyfriend. I I've seen this episode, that. I don't know how many times, and I didn't know that until we recorded and I looked it up. It makes sense. I mean, it makes sense because he's so terrible. Like, that's the only reason I can I can think of that he would be in this episode. That makes sense. Unless it was like, if, if he came in and it was like he clear that he was a dying child. Like, he had some, this was his, like, make-a-wish thing. The right. only other explanation. Well, they, they couldn't use a real movie star, not only because one of them wouldn't have appeared on this show, but then right. you would have been saying that that person was a pothead. And sure. so... 
they had to make up a fake movie star. Weird. Still weird. Who did you want to hug? Yeah. Johnny Dakota seems nice. Nah. <laughs> seems like kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> He's hitting on a high school girl. That is true. He invited a bunch of high school kids to his party. Now that I think about it, I retract I, that. I can't keep doing this, Chelsea. I can't keep pretending Blaze. that even like being 19 and dating a six-year-old, sorry, buddy, you're just going to have to wait. Or I don't know, wait. date one of the other 1.6 billion women in the world. That's true. I'm going to change my answer to to Blaze because she's dealing with her brother and she's been out here and hot. She's clearly 37 and she's been out here for a long time just trying to land four lines on Save the Bell. And she did it and she, she nails it. it. Do we see what she does other than Blaze? Let's not look it up. Let's assume that she went yeah. on to be something something special. I'll hug Scud because he is completely yeah. like given up and he's like, you're right to judge me, I guess. I swear that guy's name is Moose in another episode. It might be Moose in another episode. I swear. When he's a jock. When he's like a jock somewhere. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, oh, Moose. And then he was like, I'm Scud. And I was like, what? Man. Are you, though? What are they trying to pull on us, Saved by the Bell? <laughs> they knew. It could very well be another series, though. But yeah, I, I, that dude's definitely it's made true. a moose at some point <laughs> or another. Scud, please. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> folks, thank you so much for listening to us. Happy 420 or whatever your religious equivalent is. <laughs> However you celebrate. <laughs> However you celebrate uh, marijuana and drugs. Um, thank you for choosing us. We know you have a lot of podcasts to listen to these days. <laughs> what with absolutely now nothing the fuck ever. else to do. We know that everyone and their mom has started a podcast in the last month. We know. But we're just going to keep doing ours. We were here a little more recently than that. <laughs> right. We were here, uh, this, well, we've been doing this for over two, um, two years now. Two years, we've been yeah. doing this two years. Yeah. Um, so we are obviously the most experienced, best authorities on podcasting. Come on. Come on. Um, Come on. To that end, what are we watching next time, Andy? Oh, next time. Speaking of drugs and being on drugs and being all drugged up, we're going to be watching Thundercats. Oh. Thundercats. No, not actually. Our first Thundercats. It's just Thundercats. Thundercats Ho is the, the reboot. So we're going to be watching Thundercats. <laughs> the episode is called Garden of the Garden of Delights. Season one, episode nine. You can watch it on Amazon Prime Video. And I suggest you do, people. You're, you're going to want to have checked this one out just for your <laughs> own peace of mind. And because you're not going to believe anything that you hear when you hear this podcast about that thing. Uh, all right. So until next time, see you then. And fill out your 2020 census online. Thank you for listening to Hugging and Learning. If you want to visit us online, our website is huggingandlearning.com, where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today, as well as our post office box, where you can mail us snacks. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review, and tell your friends about us. If you want to drop us a line, you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com. You can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about. Or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next. Our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski, who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks. Mm-hmm.